For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about the big bad wolf. Brandy, 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 you've got a lot to learn, Missy. What? This is not a podcast where we tell each other children's stories. Oh, boy. Okay. Um. What? Oh, this is some fucking horrible... Yeah, it's pretty bad. So I shouldn't even be making a joke, even though you clearly made a joke there? It's not actually a joke. There is a wolf? There's a a big bad wolf in this case. Well, okay, that is surprising. Yes. All right, I will stop. (laughs) (laughs) There is a big bad wolf. Okay. I'll get to all of it. Great. Shortly. (laughs) (laughs) It's rough. Brandy, how are you doing today? I am, I'm actually doing quite well. How are, how are you surviving after after the lunch incident? Oh boy! Yeah, everyone, mm-hmm. get a, get a load of this. Yeah, okay, gang. Barely everybody, survived lunch. Everybody, today, folks. everybody, gather around. All right, <laughs> I don't care what you're doing. Driving a car, take your hands off the wheel and just listen to this. <laughs> don't take your hands off the wheel. <laughs> okay, don't do that. Don't do that. But, but please Jesus listen. will take the wheel. Yeah, please listen go. intently. Okay, we went to lunch, all right? I ordered the salmon. It came with one signature side. Was I a little greedy? Yes, I was. I wanted two signature sides. Mm-hmm. So I said, I will have two signature sides. I got the loaded baked potato. Yeah. And I got the broccoli. Mm-hmm. My salmon came out along with the loaded baked potato. Yeah. Where was the broccoli? And the server said. So the ser- the person who brought the food out was not our server. But they said, we'll be back in just a moment with your broccoli. It was Bugs Bunny with a dress on. Yeah. <laughs> he thought he could, he could trick us. And he did. He said, I'll be right back with your broccoli. And foolishly, I believed him. Yeah, that yeah. broccoli never came. So. Never. So you're just, you got no farts inside you. Yeah. <laughs> How am I supposed to podcast if I'm not holding back farts? No, we did have fun with it. Like, yeah. Because obviously it did not matter that I didn't have my broccoli. No, everything was fine. But um, we did imagine a scenario oh, where you where go I went full Karen. Karen and you demand to have your full meal comped because the broccoli never came. See, that was your fantasy. Yes, that I was my like fantasy. I my fantasy was much better where I not only demand my meal oh, comped. That's right, because you need the broccoli for your medical condition. Yeah. My doctor specifically said I needed to eat more vegetables. You people are killing me. It's your fault. I would like that. I think I would like to go full Karen. Just for the Just for fun. The entertainment. But then you wouldn't get to go back to that restaurant ever again. Well, I would also die of shame for being yeah. an asshole. I'm talking like if there was like a virtual reality simulation. Oh, okay. oh uh, you want to do a Karen simulator. <laughs> It's a little, you get an avatar of yourself with the, I want to speak to the manager haircut. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> and I want just the smallest injustice to yeah. happen. Yeah. 
like them forgetting your broccoli. And I want them to understand that to me, that means death. (laughs) There you go. It's a very serious problem. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, I hope I didn't ruin your day (laughs) by hearing about how bad my day has been. My lunch was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wonderful. Great for you. I had so much food I couldn't even eat it all. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brandy just had all broccoli. I just had a giant plate of broccoli. Could I spare some for Kristen? No. Absolutely no. not. Because my doctor insists that I eat a giant plate of broccoli for lunch every day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that you not share. That's right. No, sharing is not caring. Mm-mm. No. All right. Well, do you want to talk about our Patreon? I do, but you know what? Do you ever get the cold sweats? Um, you have the cold sweats not, right now? No, more in a metaphorical sense. Oh, okay. Here's, Why? I don't know. I think I'm a little on edge today. Oh, all right. And I'm just envisioning, and I don't like to be this way. Okay. But I'm envisioning someone listening to that story and taking it seriously. No, we are 100% joking. We didn't even complain that the broccoli never came. We just cried. <laughs> yeah, we never even told the server like, until the end when it was still on the bill. And I was like, could you take this off, please? It never came. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I we said, yelled at her. fucking better be. And we didn't tip her. No, <laughs> no. We were like, no, it's no big deal. And we tipped her the appropriate amount. One dollar. Five percent. And that's plenty. That's plenty. That's all you need. I do worry sometimes that people don't get our sense of humor. And Well, I know for a fact they don't because every yeah. now and then you'll see yep. something online and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, yeah. ma'am, yep. stop it. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, stop unbuttoning your shirt. I'm not unbuttoning you, fucking wish. Oh, oh whippy cushion tits. Whippy cushion, first of all, it's whoopee, whoopee cushion. Whoopee cushion How dare you? Everyone, we were joking about my boobs earlier. Um, <laughs> now she had to make a deal with the devil to get giant tits, but the, the, <laughs> the trade-off is that. <laughs> Anytime they're touched, they're touched they go, they just sound like a whoopee cushion. <laughs> and that's what I said to the waitress. I said, I've got whoopee, whoopee cushions cushion for tits, and I don't have broccoli. My life is hard enough. Do you think it will surprise people to know that we have these same types of conversations off of the podcast? Well, it'd be weird if we didn't. What do you mean, surprise people? Do you think this is an act? (laughs) No, I think there are some people who think our show is scripted. None of this shit is scripted. We talk about this shit all the time. Can you imagine writing If we wrote out, in a script a joke about you having whoopee cushions for tits. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can't count on ourselves to come up with that kind of brilliance in the moment. That's true. All right. <laughs> we have to script it out. Same with the broccoli bit. All right. Mm-hmm. We got to plan yeah, that plan shit. Plan that shit. Um, and... If you like that, yeah. if you like planning, why don't you plan to head over to Patreon oh. and sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Huh? It was a seamless oh. transition. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone, get a load of this for just $5. $5? Yeah. You can get access to like 52 bonus episodes. 
my friends. That's right. Meaty Boy bonus episodes. You also get into the Discord to chitty chat the day away. At the higher levels on our Patreon, you get all kinds of stuff. Wow, I really oh, like how you went with that. Oh, okay. You're going to be sick at how much. <laughs> you're going to be like, is this a sticker and some autographs in the mails is too much? Oh, Are they stalking me? <laughs> ad free episodes. Get out of town. How'd they get my address? <laughs> They're inviting me on a Zoom call. Who has the time? That's you if yeah. you sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're just going to start complaining about all the benefits. <laughs> you know another thing? What? Well, you know how you're sitting there topless right now? I am not. You don't have to be topless, Brandy. We've got hoodies. Oh, shit. Yeah, for sale. LGTCpodcast.com. We've got t-shirts and hoodies and crew necks. What? In no world would I be sitting here topless. I can't believe she's topless either, gang. <laughs> I think something happened to what her. What happened? Mm. What would have happened that oh, okay. I would be sitting here topless? Okay. What would have happened? <sighs> okay. You know what? The the only explanation. Is I've been abducted by aliens and replaced <laughs> by, by, there's an alien inside my skin now. Honestly, this this is probably not. The coolest thing to say. Yeah. Uh, cool is not the word. But honest, honest to God, if all of a sudden you were topless, I'd be like, okay, brain tumor? Right. Like something, so, something yes. has gone very, yes. very wrong. Somebody, it, it's either an alien sitting here in a brandy skin suit. Sure. That's and they very don't likely. know. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> First of all, they don't really understand why humans wear clothing. <laughs> sure. Sure. So they're like, well, this isn't even necessary. <laughs> right. And they certainly don't know my never nude status. Yes, yes, because they don't <laughs> listen to the podcast, yeah. um, which is weird. Because why wouldn't why they? wouldn't they? Yeah. And we broadcast it in, out into the universe. We sure do. We pay extra to get. Okay, this is so ridiculous. This is so stupid. Um, you know what I think we should do? An ad. An ad. Doo Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And we're back from the <laughs> Is this the behavior we should expect from you all episode? I am feeling weird. I'm feeling real weird. Whoo. My oh me. All right. Oh, you're going to bring it down. You're going to bring okay. me right down. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. First of all, I'm going to blame this on two people. Yourself and yourself. No. Absolutely nope. not. Nope. We don't. Shout out to, and I already shouted them out on the bonus episode, but mm -hmm. shout out to Blair, who messaged us on Instagram and reminded me that I said I wanted to do Halloween cases. Blair, we, we last hate year. Blair. Blair no, recommended that terrible I, family annihilator no, case. No, Blair just recommended that I do a Halloween case, and I um. picked the family annihilator case from the bonus episode. Okay, yes. partial blame to it's Blair. Not, so again, partial blame this time to Blair for suggesting that I do a Halloween case. Mm-hmm. It emotionally devastated us all. Uh -huh. Sign up for our Patreon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I decided I would do one for the for the regular feed as mm -hmm. well. So this is a Halloween themed case. Mm -hmm. I picked four Halloween cases. Okay. 
Okay. Read a bunch of stuff about four different cases. And then I gave little mini presentations to David and made him pick which one I would cover. And he picked the worst and one? And he picked this one. It's not the worst one, actually. <laughs> they were all terrible. Of course they were. So okay. I blame this case on Blair and David. You know, the common thread here is me. Yeah. <laughs> it sure is. Okay, so then time for some shout outs. First of all, to an episode of an oxygen program. Mm-hmm. Snapped. Yes. Uh-huh. But I'm putting an asterisk next to it. Okay. Because I have a real bone to pick with this episode of Snapped. And if I remember, we'll get to it at the end. I Mentioning something at the top and forgetting it completely is my thing. So don't you dare. I'm going to make a little notey right do. here. Please do. Uh, second shout out to Mara Bovson. Oh, we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Piece in the uh, New York Daily News yep. about Great this case. Great reporting. And also to the court record. <laughs> okay. You didn't like how I said record? No, it was more how you said court. It almost sounded like there was a Q involved. Court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, hmm, what else do I want to say about this case? My God, I, um, at what point do we start the I case? will start. It's terrible. <laughs> it's very much like a horror movie, so you oh, will not God. like it at all. Great. Anyway, you ready to go? No. <gasps> How brilliant. <laughs> I just say no, and then you can't <laughs> I do can't this. Do I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, great. All right, here we go. I'm going to take a drink. And clear my throat. Okay. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. <clears throat> Doreen Herbert was a waddling. Oh. It was Halloween night, 1984, and despite being eight plus months pregnant, oh. 31-year-old Doreen had taken her four-year-old daughter, Deanna, out trick-or-treating. Doreen's husband, Charles, had actually taken their daughter out for the bulk of the trick-or-treating because of Doreen's advanced pregnancy. But she had wanted to be a part of the festivities, so Charles had saved the last four houses, the ones closest to their own, in their San Jose, California neighborhood for Doreen. And that was about all Doreen could handle. Mm-hmm. She was only four foot eleven. Oh my gosh! And with just a couple of weeks left until her due date, I can only assume that she was uncomfy. But also cute as a button. Uh huh. Her friends actually joked that at this point in her pregnancy, her belly stuck out as far as she was tall. Okay, friends, be careful with those kind of jokes. But all right, right, yeah. So after the four houses, Doreen and Deanna headed home to cuddle up on the couch and wind down in front of the TV before bed. Charles had been holding down the fort at home, greeting trick-or-treaters, handing out candy. You know how Halloween works. I'm unfamiliar. (laughs) But now that Doreen... Did he say, nice to see you again? He did not, to my knowledge. Hmm. I think he was just handing out candy to anyone who walked up to the door. Wow, what a chump. So now that Doreen and Deanna were home, he told Doreen that he was going to run out to the store real quick. He wanted to buy a little more candy, get some beer. He told Doreen he'd be right back, and he called to her to lock the door behind him. Okay. Charles was only gone about 15 minutes. He ran to the liquor store, stopped by a friend's house real quick, and then he got home shortly after 9 p.m. Stopped by a friend's house? 
Yeah, I don't know what he was doing at the friend's okay. house. I don't. I there's, have no more information than that. There's no way that was only 15 minutes, but okay. And that's what Charles says. Charles says he was gone 15 minutes. All right. When he got home, it was just shortly after 9 p.m., and he was surprised and a little annoyed to find the front door unlocked. Specifically because he'd called out to Doreen to lock it. Yeah, we understand. Okay, well, you didn't react. You looked at me kind of with a blank face. Well, yeah, I had a blank face. Also, you're burping a lot. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Everyone, Brandy's worst fear, aside from <clears throat> accidentally being nude. Accidentally? What scenario would I accidentally be nude? When an alien takes over your body. And, oh, right. Yeah, okay. Okay. We've yeah. already covered okay, this. Fine. Okay. We don't mm-hmm. have time to yeah. do it again. Um, shit. What was I saying to you? I burped. Oh, that's right. Brandy's biggest fear, aside from being nude, that's right, is to be burpy on the podcast. It is. I don't like it. And so she doesn't like to drink? I typically don't drink carbonated things. I drink two Diet Cokes at lunch, and boy, am I paying for it now. Mm-hmm. But I'm loving it, because every time she has a little burp, she looks like she's dying inside. <laughs> <laughs> and Patty, remember, we can't cut that stuff. Okay. you know, we keep it real on this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready for this case to get terrible? Yeah, go ahead. Right now. So Charles gets home. He's surprised to find the door unlocked, but nothing could prepare him for what he found when he pushed it open. Mm. When Charles stepped through his front door, he was met with a gruesome scene. There was blood everywhere. It was pooled on the floor. It was sprayed across the walls and the ceiling. It was on the couch. Charles couldn't understand what he was even seeing at first. Then he saw Doreen laying on the floor, surrounded by a massive pool of blood. It seemed to be coming from everywhere at the same time. Oh, my God. He looked around the room in an effort to assess what he was seeing. And on the floor near Doreen, he saw a fetus. Oh, my God. At first, Charles thought Doreen had suffered a miscarriage. She had suffered two in the previous couple of years. Mm -hmm. I believe one was in a pretty advanced stage of pregnancy. Right. But when he reached for Doreen's hand, he discovered it wasn't there. Oh, my God. It had been completely severed above the wrist. And it was laying on the floor next to the fetus. Holy shit. Yes. This wasn't a miscarriage. Doreen had been brutally attacked. Well, yeah, I don't think you needed to say that. Yeah, I mean, thank you. (laughs) Well, yeah. There were large wounds to every part of her body, including massive slices to her abdomen. Charles, in a panic initially tried to hold Doreen's abdomen closed, but then realized that he needed to get her help. Yeah. Somehow, I know, I can't, I can't. It's, It's horrific. Yeah. Somehow, at this point, Doreen was still breathing shallowly despite the massive trauma and blood loss. Charles got up to go call 911, but there was so much blood that he turned to run to the kitchen and he slipped and fell. Charles finally got to the phone 
But for some reason, the call to 911 would not go through. He like dialed it over and over and over again. It wouldn't connect. Had someone cut the phone line? No, the phone line was live. He just like, for whatever reason, I don't know if like maybe the 911 call center was getting a high volume of calls at that time, but the call would not connect. So Charles then called the fire department separately, which I didn't know that was a thing you could do, but... I mean, well, you've got to call somebody. Yeah. So he calls the fire department and then he also calls a neighbor and asks them to call for help. Yeah. After calling for help, it dawned on Charles that his four year old daughter, Deanna, should be in the house. I hate everything about this. But he hadn't seen her anywhere. He called out for her over and over. And finally... A little tiny voice responded from the living room. Deanna was hiding behind the couch, physically unharmed. Oh, my God. Yeah. When first responders got to the scene, they discovered Charles completely hysterical and covered in blood. Of course. Some of the... First officers who were on the scene said that, like, it was so shocking. Just, like, looking into the front door, everything in the house was red. Yeah. They described it as something out of a horror movie. Well, and the fact that it was Halloween night just made the whole thing just completely bizarre and eerie is how they described it. Yeah. Immediately, police officers suspected Charles might have been responsible for the brutal attack on Doreen. Mm -hmm. He was covered in her blood. And he was, I mean, he's the husband. He's the husband. And he's like, he's acting completely hysterical. He, they said he was babbling much like I just did because I couldn't find a word. Yep. Is that really, would that really be that unusual? I I totally agree. I don't think this is that alarming at all. I think if you walk in and you find your wife in that position and your, your unborn baby. Right. And your traumatized four-year-old yes. hiding. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like there's going to be a wrong or right way to react, but I would not be surprised at all if I couldn't put words together. I totally agree. They said he was rambling, almost incoherent. Yeah. They actually ended up detaining him. They cuffed him. They put him in the back of a police car. And as he watched them load Doreen Hold on. Into what the, year was this? 1984. Okay. And as he watched them load Doreen into the back of an ambulance, he kicked the doors and windows of the cruiser and he begged them to let him go to the hospital with his wife. Yeah. But they told him no. Instead, they took him down to the police station for questioning. I'm kind of surprised they cuffed him. I am, too. Huh. Okay. While Doreen still had a pulse when paramedics arrived on the scene, she was pronounced dead in the ambulance en route to the hospital. By that time, Charles was sitting in an interrogation room, naked except for a little paper gown they had given him because they had taken his clothes as evidence. Well, they didn't give him... They, he, he was wearing... He, he is the one who describes this, and he oh. says they gave him a paper gown to wear. If he didn't do this, and I, it sounds like he didn't do he this. He did not do this. This is horribly traumatic. Horribly traumatic, yes. So he's sitting in an interrogation room, 
naked except for a paper gown, like you're waiting for your right. gynecologist to come in. Right. Uh, and an officer came in the room and said, your wife is dead. Charles broke down sobbing. Yeah. And he asked the officer for a hug. Oh. And the officer told him no. Oh, God. I... Just trauma on trauma here. Yeah. I understand that the first suspect is the person closest to the victim. Right, but you've got to be careful with how you treat people because yep. what if they're not the perpetrator? Exactly. And so he didn't even get to be with his wife while she died. Right. And he learned about it in this horrible manner. And they couldn't even give him a spare set of clothes. No. Yeah. Back at the Herbert home, investigators were hard at work processing this horrible scene, and they found a couple of things that made them think maybe Charles wasn't the one responsible for the murder of his wife and unborn child. Oh, good God. By the Herbert's front door, they found a Halloween mask. It was a mask of the big bad wolf. Like the cartoon Big Bad Wolf with the bulging eyes and the tongue hanging out and the exaggerated teeth. Oh, my God. They also discovered a trail of blood leading away from the Herbert house. Mm -hmm. It led down like the walkway, down the block, and then came to a sudden stop like somebody had gotten in a car and driven away. Oh, They obviously gathered a bunch of blood samples, but at this time all they did was blood typing. This is before DNA testing. And so all they could do was take a bunch of blood samples from the scene and see if there were multiple types of blood present, you know, see if the killer's blood was mixed in with the victim's blood. Right. Uh, So one one team is at the house doing that type of stuff, and another Mm -hmm. team is canvassing the neighborhood, talking to the Herbert's neighbors, asking if they had seen or heard anything that night. Oh, gosh. But, I mean, on Halloween night? So a couple of people did say that they had saw saw something, seen something is typically how humans say it, I believe. They saw something? Had seen something? They saw something. What did I say? I said they saw something, which is wrong. Yeah. Okay. And it makes you an idiot. It's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of people said that they had seen a man dressed in, like, mechanics coveralls. Okay. Wearing a big bad wolf mask without a child with him. He was not out trick-or-treating. Right. And he was just standing across the street from the Herbert house staring. Oh, God. Yeah. That's terrifying. Like a fucking horror movie. Yeah. So they're like, okay, so that's scary as hell. Mm -hmm. And then also a couple of neighbors, when they were asked if they knew if the Herberts had any enemies or anybody who would have ill will toward them, a couple of them mentioned a man named Mike. William Michael Dennis, who went by Mike, was Doreen's ex-husband. 
Doreen had met Mike when she was working as a physical therapist in the Bay Area. She happened to work near the Lockheed factory where Mike worked as a sprayer. Uh, Don't ask me what that means. I don't know. I'm paint sprayer, right? I have no idea. Sure. Sure. He's painting things at the Lockheed factory. Yeah, with the spray gun, right? Sure. And the two were set up by friends. Mike uh, had always had trouble meeting people and making friends. He had a hearing impairment, which resulted in him having a speech impediment Mm -hmm. and a stutter. And he'd had to wear a hearing aid, which at this time was like this big, bulky thing that had like a wire that ran all the way down. You had to carry this big like box in your pocket. And so because of those things, he had a really hard time connecting with people. And he also he had to read lips a lot, even with his Mm -hmm. hearing aid. And so people said he just stared all the time. Oh, but well, it, he was trying to read lips so that he could be involved in a conversation. Right. And so he had he did. He had a really tough time meeting people. Yeah, you absolutely would. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, you would really kind of have to be one on one with somebody. Exactly. Because how do you keep up with a conversation mm-hmm. if you can't? Yeah. OK. Yeah. And so all of that resulted in him suffering from depression. He had a really hard time. And he told a psychiatrist years later that um, he had trouble getting girlfriends. He didn't have the confidence to talk to anyone. Yeah. But when he got set up with Doreen, I mean, that was like. He he thought he'd found the one like truly thought like the answer to all of his social issues were. Like, we're taken care of yeah. by meeting this wonderful woman. Okay, I do have to say a little disclaimer about William Michael Dennis here. Um, he has it's three William. fucking first names. And every article refers to him a different way. So You're if I accidentally me. call him William or Dennis, I apologize. His name is Mike. That's what everybody called him. Okay. But every article refers to him a different way. Okay. So Doreen and Mike really hit it off. Doreen did not care about the speech impediment, did not care that he had a hearing aid. She really enjoyed spending time with him. Right. And he opened up to her. Sure. And within a few months of dating, they got married. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then they had a baby boy. They named Paul. Mike loved being a dad. It was like the thing that his life had always been missing for him. Mm-hmm. But and Doreen was an excellent mother. But together, the two of them didn't thrive yeah. as a little family. It was a lot of stress being new parents and they were still a new couple. They were a very new couple. Mm-hmm. And so in 1977, they divorced. Doreen got primary custody of Paul. I believe that Mike did this willingly. He really didn't believe, like, he really believed Paul should be with his mother. And then he would spend. Well, and it was the 70s. I mean, that's kind of how. Super common. Exactly. And so I don't think Mike had actual, like, any actual court-ordered custody agreement. Like, it was like Doreen had full custody, but then Mike would sometimes come over to Doreen's house and spend the weekend with, just playing with Paul. Or sometimes Paul would come to his house, but it wasn't like, you know. It wasn't something set up by the court. Okay. Correct. And so Mike loved the time that he got with his son, but he really felt like that life that he thought he had achieved by, you know, marrying Doreen and having the son had just, like, slipped through his fingers. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah, and he just he thought the chance of that like ever happening again was was not likely. Hmm. 
And so he really had a hard time coping with the divorce and the custody arrangement and everything. Doreen did not have the same issues. Doreen really got like back into life pretty quickly. She met Charles Herbert, who we know as her husband. They actually met, she like got a flat tire, broke down on the side of the road, and uh-huh. Charles actually just pulled over to make sure she was okay. Okay, that is the cutest meat cute I've mm-hmm. ever heard. Yeah. Yes. And then he helped her change the flat and then at the end he was like, like Can so, I have uh, can I have your number? Would you like to get some coffee sometime? You know. Aww. Yeah. Okay. And Doreen really was drawn to Charles. He he was so kind of free and happy-go-lucky and she just like that was just very stark contrast to how Mike had been mm-hmm. in their marriage and so she just it was like a breath of fresh air to her and she was really drawn to him. He had a very steady job. He owned a carpet store, I believe. Okay. And they moved they moved pretty quickly. They got married right away and then they had their daughter, Deanna, in 1979. So they had Deanna and they were raising Paul together as well. And Charles really treated Paul like he was his son. Mm-hmm. Like they were just a big, happy family. And every now and again, Mike dropped in and was visiting Paul. Where was Paul on Halloween night, though? I'm going to tell you right now where Paul was on Halloween night. Okay. In February of 1980... Tragedy struck at the Herbert home. The Herberts had a pool in the backyard. Oh, God. And the pool was fenced. Yep. Because they'd had a previous incident where their dog had fallen in the pool and drowned. Yeah. When that had happened, Mike had insisted that they put a fence around the pool. Right. Because he knew his son was at that home. He actually yeah. even paid for part of the fence. And wow. so yeah. On, yeah, on one day in February of 1980, Deanna was down for a nap. Doreen was in the house doing some chores, and Paul was playing in the backyard. And somehow he slipped oh. through a hole in the fence. Oh, my God. And he drowned in the pool. That is horrible. Doreen looked outside, realized that she could not see him. Ran outside, found him floating in the pool, ran to a neighbor to get help. They pulled him out of the pool. He went to the hospital. He was on life support for a week. Um, After a week, they took him off, and three days later, he died. Oh, my God. Just short of his fifth birthday. This, This is horrible. Devastating. Yeah. I don't know how people recover from the death of a child. I don't either. I don't either. Yeah. This was obviously, like we said, a devastating event for everyone involved, but it hit Mike the hardest. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you'd have very complicated feelings about... Blame and Mike completely blamed Doreen for Paul's death. Mm -hmm. He believed that he had seen this coming and had told them everything they needed to do to prevent this. And he'd helped pay for the fence and everything. And then it still happened anyway. Yeah. He blamed Doreen 100 percent for Paul's death. Oh, God. He even went so far as to file a wrongful death suit against Doreen and Charles for Paul's drowning. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. And it went to trial in March of 1982. Okay. What? So I wasn't able to find really anything about the trial, only that the jury ruled in the Herbert's favor and said that this was just a tragic accident, Mm -hmm. that no negligence had led to this. Yeah, I'm curious about that fence. Like, right. how big was the... So what what was said in the sources that I found is that at some point it looked like the dog had dug a hole under the fence. Mm-hmm. And so it left a big enough opening that Paul had been able to slip through. Oh. He couldn't get... Oh, it was plenty tall. He couldn't get over it. He didn't right. know how to do the latch. Right. It was simply that the dog had dug a hole. He'd found it, and he'd been able to crawl through it. Oh, gosh. Okay. That's awful. It's devastating. Yeah. It is so horrible. Yeah. Also, a different time for parenting. Absolutely. Yes. Because I feel like people don't... Just let their four-year-old play in the backyard? No. 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 It is. It's just such a different time. Yeah. 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 I mean, Doreen really thought he was safe because he was in the area of the yard that was fenced off from the pool. And she was, you know, watching him and she was just doing chores around the house and she'd call out to him every so often. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think many parents would do that in this day and age. It's just a very different time. Yeah. Yeah. Mike was devastated to lose this civil case against the Herberts as well. Reportedly, after it, he went to his attorney's office and, like, curled up in the fetal position and cried and said that his son's life wasn't worth anything. Oh. Yeah. Over the next couple of years, Mike's life and his mental health continued to deteriorate because of his involvement in this civil suit moving forward like he ended up missing a bunch of work Mm -hmm. and it got to the point that they pulled him in and they're like you're gonna we're gonna lay you off you can't you're not reliable enough to have a sprayer position Mm -hmm. Um, and so in order to keep his job he had to agree to move to a lower position which resulted in like a three dollar an hour pay cut oh shit yeah yeah that's big yeah Okay. Yeah, it was like – so in 1984, and I didn't adjust this for inflation, the sprayer position paid like $13 an hour and the position he was demoted to paid $10 an hour. Yeah, that math makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. That is (laughs) – Everyone – she's making a face at me. Mm -hmm, I am. It's not a very nice face Mm -hmm. either. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Mike talked to a lot of people about Paul's death. Um, He could not move past it. And he told everyone that Doreen was to blame for his death. He came to believe that Doreen had intentionally killed Paul. Oh, my. So that she would no longer be tied to Mike. Oh, poor Mike. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he needed therapy. Oh, very so, badly. I mean, he needed a lot of things, I'm he sure. He needed a That's... lot of things, yes. Yeah, he told people that his ex-wife had murdered his son. He truly convinced himself that this well, was yeah, not I mean, an accident. If you convince yourself of that, how do you mm-hmm. – you, you, we're talking about how do you move forward from the death of a child, but right. like, how do you move forward from 
believing honestly that you're believing. honestly believing that your your former spouse intentionally killed, killed your, your child. child. Oh my god. It's okay. horrible. Yep. So he's over here just stewing yep. and stewing and yep. stewing with all of this. Meanwhile, Doreen and Charles are thriving are and moving, moving on forward. with their life. Yep. They they did suffer a couple of miscarriages during the same time, but then finally in 1984, Doreen announced that she was pregnant. Yeah. And they were going to have a baby boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's moving on with this whole new family, and now she's going to have a replacement son. Mm. I mean, in Mike's mind, that's what's happening. Yeah, we all know you're not I'm not saying, saying that. I, want, I just want to be very clear no, that I right, am not you're right, saying you're that. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But obviously, as I've already told you, Doreen was brutally murdered before she ever yeah. gave birth to that child. So investigators learn all of this and they're like, I think we need to talk to Mike. I think we owe him a big apology and a pair of trousers. No, no, no. That's Oh, that's I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got confused. Charles is the one they owe yes. pants and an apology. Yes. <laughs> I want the pants first and then the apology. Just as my well, personal, that's how I would personally like it. Honestly, what the what the hell would you do if I if they're as like, a never knew if they're if I okay I, they've taken me in and they're like we have to have your clothes for mm-hmm. evidence. Here's this tiny paper gown. Yeah, I mean it would be horrific, but the police told me to do it, so you know I would. Yeah, but how do you? Live. I. I, I mean, it would be horrible. I would be curling up as sure. much as possible. Sure. And I know they're looking at me through that. Of course they are. Two-way mirror over there. They're like, why is this grown woman so afraid? <laughs> yes. Clearly, there's something <laughs> up with her. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna think I'm suspicious as hell. Yeah, they're gonna be like, she's probably a serial killer. Yes. Clearly, can't even be in her own skin. Also. Why did we ask for her clothes and somehow there are three sets of clothes in here? <laughs> There's so many layers. <laughs> like after each layer, I'm like, can I leave this one on? They're like, like no, we need all of it. And, and I take off another point, layer. They just get like, curious. They're like, right. let's see the next one. Yeah, how many more are under there? I'm like a Russian nesting doll. <laughs> so investigators are like, we need to talk to Mike, obviously. And so they look up Mike's address. They find out that he lives... Six blocks away from the Herbert's home. There's actually oh like a pedestrian walkway that connects his neighborhood to their neighborhood. It's like a six minute walk from one house to the next. Had they always lived that close together? Um, yes. I believe he had moved that like he had specifically moved into that neighborhood sure, when so he Doreen could be close to his son to his son yeah. yes exactly when Doreen had moved into Charles's house so this is that's yeah. where they lived he had moved into that neighborhood so that he could be close to Paul Gotcha yeah Should we break for an ad No Okay <laughs> <laughs> And we're back from the ad Okay so police show up to Mike's house, mm-hmm. six blocks away from the Herberts. There's a truck 
parked in the driveway, and the police just kind of, you know, shine their light. Yeah, is there blood in it? All over the inside of it. It's on the steering wheel. It's on the floor. It's on the key ignition thingy. That's the official term. (laughs) It's all over the inside of this car. Yeah. So they walk up to the door. They knock. I mean, they do that official police knock, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. No answer. But there's lights on in the house. Right. And they can hear water running. Oh, my God. And so they're like, holy shit, holy shit. He is destroying evidence right now. Yep. And so they knock again. Do they know he's hard of hearing or no? I don't. I don't know. That's a really good point. I I doubt they knew that at that point. Okay. So they knock again. No answer. Mm -hmm. So then I've never heard of this. I thought this was very I was going to say cool. It's not cool. It's just an interesting thing they did. Okay. They then called dispatch and had dispatch call his house and tell him that the police were at the door. Hmm. And so they hear the phone ring and he answered it. And then a few minutes later, he comes to the door wearing a robe. I feel like nowadays they just bust your I think they do, don't they? Well, they've got probable cause, right? Yeah. Did you see the blood in the truck? I had it described to me in more detail than I wanted, frankly. Yeah, the key ignition thingy. We all heard about the key ignition thingy. Yeah. Okay, so he He opens the door in a robe, or as one source put it, a dressing gown. (laughs) Was it Ebenezer Scrooge? I was going to say, that writer was from the 20s. Right. (laughs) He answered the door with a single candlestick in his hand. Right. (laughs) So he lets them in, Mm -hmm. and... They let him know that they are there because his ex-wife has been attacked. And he's like, he doesn't really react to that. And they, like, sit down with him at a table. Right. And they're like, Doreen is dead. And he said, you're kidding. Hmm. Which is not a great response. Well... Uh, okay. So if he thinks this woman murdered my son mm-hmm. and I tried to make it somewhat right through the court system, mm-hmm. that didn't work. Yeah. If his thinking is, then I murdered her and like he's got the bloody truck, maybe he doesn't care if he's caught. He cares, but. Okay. Yeah. So they ask him if they they can, you know, sit and talk for a bit. And he's like, mm-hmm. that's fine. And they ask if he will allow them to do a consented search of his home. Because also on the way in, they notice like blood droplets like all along the way. And so he says, yes, he would let them do a consented search. He, in fact, says that he has nothing to hide. And so at this point, I don't know if this is how they still do it, but they actually had a form that he had to sign saying that he consented to a consented search. So this is not a search warrant search. This is just a cursory examination no, of the we've, home. we've heard about I your know, fucking we've heard consented, about consented searches. searches. Yes. So he goes... I'd say yes to him every day because they never find shit. Right, correct. Okay. And they're, Except for in this case, surely. No? You're going to be shocked. <laughs> well, they saw blood. Uh-huh. So that's basically all they find in the consented search is a bunch of blood and some bloody bandages. So back up just a second. They have him sign. They want him to sign yeah. the form. He goes to sign it and he's got his hand all wrapped in gauze and it is like actively bleeding. It's bleeding through of the gauze. It is. And they're like, what'd what you, happened? What'd yeah. you do to your hand? 
He said, oh, it's the silliest thing. I was tossing a knife around in the kitchen and I caught it by the blade. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So he's like, it's fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, no, we're not worried about you. I mean. (laughs) I was tossing a knife around. What else are you going to say? I guess if you're not going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the thing we all do. Or, you know, just tossing a knife into the air. I have learned now <laughs> that I shouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay. So he ends up signing the consent, consent not the cassette. There was no cassette tape for him to sign. Mm-hmm. Mixtape number no. three. So he signs the consent form with his left hand and they do a search of the home. They find, like I said, a bunch of blood. There's blood fucking everywhere. Yeah. Like just a trail of blood around his house. There's bloody bandages in the trash. He well, is, don't make a, too much of it. He's throwing knives, knives in the air. <laughs> they notice that on his bed is a pair of jeans that have a lot of blood on them. So they, yeah. you know. They're like, okay, we're going to take that. Uh, I don't know if they can take anything during consented search. Maybe they just make a note of it. Okay. I'm not really sure. But then he's acting real weird when they're in his bedroom near his bed. They notice that he keeps, like, glancing at the headboard. Yeah, because he hid the knife there? No, no knife. There's a loaded gun behind the headboard they discover. So... With all of this, with the the bloody hand, the jeans on the bed, gauze everywhere, they do actually place him under arrest at this point and take him into custody. Then they are able to get an actual search warrant to do a more thorough search of the home. Mm -hmm. And during that more thorough search of the home, they go into his garage, which they apparently did not enter during the consented search. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're not going to believe what they fucking find in there. What? Two handmade wooden coffins. Ew, shut up. What the Mm -hmm. fuck are you talking about? Two hand-sewn body bags. Two anchors with weight systems on them. And a map of the San Francisco Bay. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. And the two coffins were like a large one and then a slightly smaller one. Oh, my God. He, they put together that he had intended to take Charles and Doreen, put them in these handmade coffins, weigh them down, anchor them down, and throw them into the bay so that they would die the same way his son had. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yep. This is literally like a fucking horror movie. Oh. They also found during this search warrant search a receipt from a hardware store where he had purchased an 18-inch machete. Well, a machete with an 18-inch blade. Mm -hmm. And they found the label that had come off of that machete, but they had not. They did not find the machete. The machete has never been found. But a machete did match what the coroner had determined was likely the weapon used just because of the nature of the wounds. And there were actually like – they knew that a long blade had been used because 
along with the blood spatter, there were actually scrapes in the ceiling. Oh, God. So, like, when he was oh, going back, yep. it was hitting we the ceiling. We get it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, okay. So, he used a machete to murder Doreen and her unborn child. Yeah. Mike denied having anything to do with Doreen's murder. Well, Mike, you got the coffins in the garage, buddy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He said he had nothing to do with it. He'd been at home with his mother that night. His mom lived in like a separate like a little apartment separate from his house on the same property. He said he'd been home with her. He'd had dinner, he'd handed out candy and that was that. They asked him what Halloween costumes he'd worn in the last few years, if he ever dressed up in Halloween costumes. And he had. He listed off a whole bunch of Halloween costumes that he'd worn. He didn't admit to a wolf He one, did, did not he? admit to a wolf costume. Okay. Um, so at this point, they have held Mike for 48 hours. Okay. And they determined they did not have enough evidence to charge him. Are you kidding me? What? I agree. Hold. (laughs) Hold on. Hold Uh on. Okay. Okay. Are they feeling so guilty and weird about how they treated Charles that now that they have. I think it's possible. Because that's that's ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't think they have enough hard evidence to hold him. So after 48 hours, he is released. And when he's released, he makes a statement to the to the public. Like he makes a there's a bunch of reporters when he's released and he says, this is so wild. I can't believe they think I would have anything to do with this. I didn't murder my ex-wife. Like I'm just a totally normal guy with two handmade coffins in in his garage. garage. Handmade coffins with body bags and weights and anchors. And a map of the bay. Yeah. How much more innocent can you get? Yeah. And one coffin just happens to be Charles sized and one happens to be Doreen sized. <sighs> so yeah, so he is released after forty eight hours. So the police are like, we've got to build a case against him so we can get this guy. We can arrest him and be able to charge him this time. So with the help of a child psychologist, Deanna was interviewed about what she remembered from that night. So she's four. She was almost five when this happened. But she's four. And she remembered some things. So she recalled that she and her mom were sitting on the couch watching TV after they'd come back from trick-or-treating and that around 9 o'clock there was a really loud knock on the front door. Hmm. She said it wasn't a normal knock. Right. And that Doreen almost ignored it because she thought it was too late for trick-or-treaters. Yeah, yeah. But Deanna was actually like, I want to hand out candy and, you know, whatever, and got excited. And so Deanna and Doreen got up and went to the door. And when they opened it, there was a man standing there with a big bad wolf mask on. At first, again, Deanna thought it was a Mm trick-or-treater. But then the man said, I'm going to kill you. 
and she noticed in his hand was a machete. Oh, my gosh. Deanna said that she remembered her mom yelling at this person, telling them to get out of her house. And then she yelled for Deanna to run and hide. Yeah. And so Deanna did. She found a hiding place behind the couch, and she didn't come out. She said she remembered her mom yelling Michael at one point. Mm. And she remembered hearing screaming. And then, okay, I didn't find this in any sources other than the Snapped episode, so I am not positive that this actually took place. Okay. But on the Snapped episode, they say that after... Michael had attacked Doreen, that he then walked through the house calling for Deanna. Mm. And then when she couldn't find her, he left. Okay. But Deanna stayed in her hiding place, not knowing if the man was still there. She stayed there until she heard her dad. That's incredible instincts. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure there's something to be said for being frozen in place. Oh, I can't even I can't even imagine. No. No, 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 no. Yeah. So they get this information from her. She connects the, you know, the wolf mask, she mm-hmm. connects her mom saying Michael, she connects the machete. Mm-hmm. But they still want more. This is just the account of a 4-year-old. Right. And so detectives were able to connect that wolf mask to Michael Dennis. So during the warranted search of his home, they found like a little black book mm-hmm. that had phone numbers of women in it. And so they just started calling women that were in this book. Okay. And they called one who was like, yeah, I, I know Mike Dennis. Yeah, we went to um, just by happenstance. I have no idea how this came up. But she says mm-hmm. that they went to a Halloween party together last year. Okay. And the detective's like, great. I mean, do you do you remember what he dressed up as for Halloween? She's like, yeah, he was the big bad wolf and I was Red Riding Hood. Yep. Wow. He's like, oh, my gosh. OK, are there are there any pictures of this? Do you have any pictures of him in the big bad wolf costume? Yeah. And she's like, I do. And so she provides them Polaroids shit. Yep. of Mike Dennis in the big bad wolf mask that matches the exact one that was found at Doreen Herbert's house. Mm-hmm. Even with that, though, they're still like, it's not quite enough. Okay. <laughs> and so finally, lab results come back and show that there were two types of blood found at the scene. One was Doreen's and the other is a match to Mike Dennis. Mm-hmm. With that, they took him back into custody on November 5th. So... Okay, they worked. They worked. They worked fast. Quickly, yeah, they did. So on November fifth, nineteen eighty four, he was arrested and he was charged with the murder of Doreen Herbert with special circumstances for fetal murder, which made him eligible for the death penalty. Mm. Mike went to trial in July of nineteen eighty eight. So it took about four years for this to get to trial, and he denied his involvement in this all the way up to trial, said he had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. And then that story changed a little bit 
at trial. Not a little bit. It changed completely okay. at trial. At trial, the prosecution obviously presented all of the stuff, and we'll get yeah. into it a little bit. But the their case was that this guy, you know, blamed blamed Doreen for the mm-hmm. death of his son, had not, never been able to move past it, that this anger had just festered in him, and he began he began fantasizing about murdering his ex-wife and her husband because they were going on and continuing on with this life and that he had made this plan to put them in coffins and dump them into the bay, but that he'd likely been triggered on Halloween night by seeing little kids out trick-or-treating and Mm. had come up with this other plan instead. Mm. The defense did not contest that Mike Dennis had done this. They said he did. Yeah. But that it was he was under he had gone through a depressive episode mm-hmm. before this and he basically had a mental break that resulted so, in this. Not guilty by reason of insanity. Essentially. That's not actually what they they don't Oh, they don't inter- say that. They don't okay. say that specifically. Okay. But yes, es- essentially that's what they argued. He was not in the right frame of mind when this happened. Yeah, I think that's the only thing you can I, I agree. I agree. At trial, Deanna testified. She was eight years old by that point. I hate it. I do too. Yeah. She testified about everything that she remembered. And she said that she didn't remember a lot. She didn't even, by that point, she didn't even remember trick-or-treating anymore. Yeah. you block. I, I, I can't even imagine how much your brain would block out to try and protect you from something this yeah. traumatic. Yeah. But she talked about, you know, her mom going to the door and finding the man there and the mask and then running to hide. Mm-hmm. A couple of friends of Mike Dennis's actually testified for the prosecution about his mask. They said that they had seen him wear that costume mm-hmm. the year earlier and were able to clearly identify it. A couple of neighbors of the Herberts testified about seeing the man in the Big Bad Wolf mask just standing outside their house staring at it. That would be so freaky. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. One of them was like a 10-year-old kid at the time. He's like 14 now. Oh, my gosh. He talks about seeing it. And he talked about – somebody testified. I don't remember if it's the 14-year-old or if it's dad. Somebody testified Mm -hmm. that they saw somebody in mechanics – coveralls yeah like i'm thinking like michael myers mechanics coveralls and then i'm thinking like spray painter coveralls well well, yes yeah yeah and then the mask on and he was holding a grocery bag that had something clearly very heavy in it the machete okay so yeah there's like three or four people that testify about seeing this man in Mm -hmm. the wolf mask over different periods of that night some saw him like as early as like six thirty that night, standing outside. So it seems like he was like he was checking waiting. in and waiting, waiting for some, waiting for an opportunity. And when Charles left, yeah, yep. I mean, it was such a tight window. If Charles was really gone for fifteen minutes, yeah, I mean, he would have had to start. But again. The liquor store and you stop at a friend's house, I feel like that's got to be more than 15 minutes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, no. But yeah, I mean, he had to have been lying in wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I might have used that term incorrectly, but I only went to the one semester of law school. (laughs) I think that would be considered lying in wait. Hey, you didn't go to any semesters of law school, so let's slow down here, okay? (laughs) 
The medical examiner testified about the autopsy that he had done on Doreen and the yeah. fetus. It's horrible. I'm not going to tell you any of it. No, don't. I'm I've not heard going too to. much already. It's horrible. And that's all I'm going to say. You act like you're really protecting us. You've already told us too much. There's so much more. No, don't. I'm not. I'm okay. not going to tell you. Okay. There's just. There's so much more. Yep. It's horrible. It's gruesome. I don't want to tell you any of it. No, we already know. A friend of Mike's testified that he was just in general a quiet person, mm-hmm. like he always had been. But then after his son's death, he had become even more withdrawn, and that. They would describe the despair that Mike felt over his son's death as almost abnormal. He said it was Mm. like he just couldn't, like, it was the whole focus of his life, essentially. Yeah. I mean, he he needed help. Yeah, he he really needed help. He needed a ton of help. And I I don't know how you move on past that. Like, I, I truly don't. Yeah. I can understand that being the only thing that you think about. And and I also understand needing to blame someone for it. Yeah. It makes it somehow easier to process if there's a face to put the blame to. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, So I think also like, gosh, being deaf. Yeah. I feel like, you know. I don't know that we've come a huge long way, but mm-hmm. I feel like there are all kinds of assumptions people make when you can't, you know, keep up with a conversation. Correct. Yes. They make assumptions about your intellect mm-hmm. that are totally unfair. Yes. They even probably make assumptions about your social abilities, mm-hmm. which when it's not a reflection of your social abilities, no. it's just that you literally cannot keep up with a conversation because you can't monitor everyone's, everyone's lips. And, yes. And if people are judging you for looking at their mouths, yeah. well, God damn, what are you yes. supposed to do? Yeah. So, yeah, you find you find a woman who you really click with and you think this is the this solution. Is the solution. This is the answer. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Which is so sad because you, you wonder, like, if he'd gotten into therapy, maybe he could have... Mm-hmm seen that it's not just one person correct god damn this is sad it's so fucking sad yeah yeah and i'm not defending what he did in any way i'm just saying oh i, I am can see no, how he no got one there. is no yeah, yes without without some kind of intervention from a mental health professional right i think there's a you can see a very clear path of how he got where he got yeah yeah. One of the Herbert's neighbors testified about Paul's death, how the circumstances around the drowning and how specifically Mike was really upset with how Doreen had handled it when she found Paul in the pool. He really believed that if she had jumped in and gotten him, maybe he could mm. have been saved. Instead, she ran and got a neighbor for help. I don't think anybody knows how they're going to react in a in a tragic scenario yeah, like that. Yeah, and it's tough. I, it's really it's, tough. It's funny because when you described it, you my, thought, my why didn't she thought, jump in and get him? Yeah, and but I mean, not blaming. No, 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 no. But just like, I, I was surprised that that was not the first step. And I think that's the thing. That's one of the main things that Mike 
latched onto that mm. was convinced himself that this was what Doreen wanted. Oh, she gosh. wanted her son dead. No, it's just that no. we don't know how we're going to react exactly. to stuff. Exactly. And I, I think another layer of this is that following Paul's death, the Herberts did cut all ties with Mike. I mean, obviously, they yeah. had no connection to him anymore. Yeah. But he had always been a part of their life up to that. Like, he'd come and play with Paul in their backyard. Right. And so it's like, I've also, I've lost my son and I've lost this connection to these other people as well. They've cut me off completely. Yeah. I just think that's another level, another layer to it. Yeah. Gosh, shit. You also wonder about like, okay, so the court system back then. Mm -hmm. And granted, I don't know the whole details of of their situation, but it seems like in more recent years, there's been, thank God, a better Mm -hmm. push for joint custody yes. you know yes but for so long it just wasn't it just wasn't yeah and you also wonder how things might have been different if he'd had more time with his son on his own terms in his exactly. own house exactly not to say that you know it mm-hmm. would have made all the difference in the world but when in a case like this where it's all mm-hmm. this stuff all, that all yes. adds up yeah oh yeah so that's kind of the gist of the prosecution's case. Yeah. The defense case rested almost completely on testimony from psychiatrist Dr. Samuel Benson, who did five sessions with Mike Dennis leading up to this trial. Five whole sessions. Five huh? whole sessions. Okay. One of which was done under that uh, truth serum drug, which I have the name what? of in here somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? I'm not finding it right now. Yeah, you know that it's that uh, Kirkland signature vodka. <laughs> yes, that's the one. There it is, right <laughs> there. And he talked a lot about all of these things that Mike had gone through in his mm. life, like from a very young age, like having the hearing loss, um, which led to his speech impediment. He had a stutter because he couldn't hear properly, and then he couldn't communicate with people very well. And people thought he was staring at him all the time. He was trying to read their lips, and his parents got divorced, and he suffered an eating disorder from the trauma of his parents getting divorced, and oh, he geez. became like an obese teenager, and then he's now he's an obese teenager with a speech impediment and a, and a, stutter. And a hearing impairment, and... Yeah, and he fell into a deep depression. Yeah. When he was like 19 or 20, he made an earnest attempt at suicide and was thankfully unsuccessful. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And through these five sessions, Mike did admit that he became obsessed with the idea of murdering Charles and Doreen. Yeah. He admitted to the whole scheme with the coffins and dumping them in the bay and and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Dr. Benson testified about Mike's mental state at the time of the murder. Mm-hmm. Murders. Yeah. And he said that he thought he had gone through a depressive episode leading to kind of a psychotic break. Yeah. And that Specifically, his thing that he thought really demonstrated this was that Mike had very spotty memories of the event taking place. Mm -hmm. One thing that Dr. Benson testified to was that Mike swore he didn't know that Doreen was pregnant. How could you not know? Exactly. 
And that had to add fuel to the fire, too, right? So this is kind of interesting to me from a defense standpoint, because if he didn't know, then he there's this argument that he couldn't be tried for the fetal murder because it's cons- it would be considered manslaughter, which would then mean that he no longer qualifies for the death penalty. Oh, I see. Yeah. But <laughs> from so, okay, so you you and I'm I I appreciate that you left out a lot of the autopsy stuff. Yes. But clearly even so, if he walked mm-hmm. in not knowing, he Correct. clearly found out. Yep. So so what he do we do said, with that? He said in these in these meetings with this psychiatrist that after Doreen answered the door, she turned her back to him, and that's when he began the attack. It wasn't until she turned around mm-hmm. that he and attacked her from the front that she began losing amniotic fluid. Yeah, that he realized she was pregnant. No, I don't buy it. No. Especially with her, the thing her friends were saying about her being so pregnant that she was as. Well, yeah, eight and a half months Exactly. Pregnant. Yeah. And you've been watching her all night. Yeah, that's right. So maybe yeah. it is possible you didn't know before that night, which I don't believe. I, this man in this mental state, yeah, he's watching he, this family regularly. I would imagine so. He's keeping up with this family. I do I do believe that he went through a psychotic break. I believe sure. all of that. Sure. This is the thing I don't believe that he didn't know she was pregnant. Yeah. The doctor stopped short of saying that Mike was insane at the time mm-hmm. of these murders. He never said that. He said that he was in a depressive state and went through some kind of mental break. What? I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't I don't know how you determine insanity. But I think well, stopping, there has to be legal criteria, right? I'm right? sure there's legal criteria. I'm not also not a lawyer, so I don't know what, what? the legal criteria is. Why do we even have this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know the fact that this expert for the defense stopped short of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that probably played a, a big part in how the jury decided this case. Okay. In addition to this expert testimony, I mean, that's the bulk of the defense's case. They also had a couple friends come up and talk about like what a great guy he was. Okay. And then the jury got the case. It was a jury of nine men and three women or ten men and two women, depending on which source. Okay. All right. Great. But they found him guilty of first degree moiter. (laughs) I love it when you do that. (laughs) First degree moiter. Of Doreen Herbert. I'm sorry. I just bumped my whole mic. (laughs) And second degree murder for the fetal murder. Mm -hmm. Then started the penalty phase. For the penalty phase, the prosecution's case was basically like, look at all the evidence in this. Like, look how terrible it is. Like, that's the aggravating factor. Sure. We had this. He had this whole other plan with the coffins. Yeah. First of all. And then he came out and, and perpetrated this horribly brutal murder. Right. And the defense's mitigating circumstances were pretty weak. I mean, they talked about his childhood difficulties. And then they had his mom, like, show a bunch of pictures of him as a kid. Yeah. 
And then they played a recording of him with Paul, his son. See, I think the mitigating factors are. I think the mitigating factors in this are huge. I agree. I think they're huge. Okay, so what what happened? He got the death penalty. Oh, I hate that. I hate it so much. This is a mentally ill man. Yep. Yep. This is a man who went through something horribly devastating. He already had lifelong issues with depression. I just don't understand. It's no skin off anyone's ass to not kill somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. <laughs> Talking about the state, of course. I, yes, <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yeah. In September of 1989, William Michael Dennis was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. <sighs> He has appealed his sentence multiple times. It has gone all the way to the California Supreme Court. But they have upheld That was the saddest Supreme Court we've ever done. uh They've upheld his conviction and sentence each time. Um, What were his grounds for appeal? Do you know? There were a couple of ones. An effective counsel was one. There were a couple things that he thought his, his counsel should have done better, including fighting to get jurors back that had been released because they didn't believe in the death penalty. Oh, okay. Um, He thought his counsel should have fought harder for jurors that were released. He also argued that – this is a tough one. What? He argued that he was not actually guilty of fetal murder Mm -hmm. because fetal murder is described as murdering an unborn child. Mm -hmm. And because the fetus had been – In the process of being birthed. Expelled from – Doreen's okay. body, okay. that that should have counted as a live person, oh. which then would have qualified that death as a manslaughter rather than murder. Fetal murder cannot be considered manslaughter under California state law. Boy, dear God, that is a rough that argument. That is a rough one. Imagine writing that legal brief. Yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that... That went nowhere. That did go nowhere. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I (sighs) – there's some mention also of, like, there should have been a stronger fight for, like, an insanity defense, which I totally agree with. Yeah. Yeah. To be clear, I don't think this man, like, doesn't deserve to be convicted. He absolutely does. of course he does. I don't think he should be on death row. Yeah. Giving the death penalty – well, and like, okay, so I'm obviously anti-death penalty. You, I am anti-death penalty Oh, as well. okay. Well, yes. then never mind. Yes, we're, I'm anti-death penalty. Well, then we're never going to be okay with it. No. Yeah, just, I think it, oh, gosh, that's rough. It's rough. It's real rough. So he's still alive? Yeah, still? California has a moratorium on the death penalty, yeah. so um, it's not likely that he'll ever be put to death. He was held in San Quentin on death row. He's currently, I just looked this morning, he is actually currently being held in the California prison medical facility, so I'm not sure hmm. what that yeah, means. Yeah, probably where he needs to be, yes. I would assume. Yep, absolutely. Charles and Deanna were interviewed on this episode of Snap, Charles Herbert and Deanna Herbert, which is Deanna Scott now. Mm-hmm. And they say that for their own sake, they have forgiven Mike. Yeah. They said they 
have forgiven, but they can't forget, and that they want him put to death. I get that. Yep. So do I. So do I. Charles said, I want him to know that we survived and that we're making it. He hasn't conquered us. Charles said that after Doreen's death, he went through a really difficult oh period where he was like well, basically sure. drinking himself to death. Yeah. And then he realized like I have a, a, a child, child that I am responsible for and he pulled himself together. Deanna said she had a really tough childhood after well, this. I'm that sure. Charles became very protective of her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because then he finds out how close he was to death as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Mike was interviewed for this article in the Lake County Record B that was talking about That's too many words. <laughs> it is a lot. That was talking about California's proposition to end the death penalty uh-huh. that was on the ballot. Sure. I think in like 2016 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he said that he believes he will get his sentence overturned mm-hmm. at some point. He believes that if people know what he went through, that they will see that he has no reason to be on death row. To be clear, he understands he's never getting out of prison, right? I, I believe so. Okay. Because that'd be nutso bananas. Like, slow down, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want to kill you, but I we— I believe his statement was about the death penalty okay. specifically, okay. yes. All right. No, th- he needs yeah. a lot of help. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to tell you my asterisk about this snapped episode. Okay, you seem a little sassy all of a sudden. There is a huge error in this snapped episode. Like, who do I write to? I think this is nutso bananas. Write to Mr. Snapped. At the end of this episode, they say that Mike was arrested, charged with the murders, and then midway through the trial, changed his plea and pled guilty to first-degree murder of Doreen and second-degree murder for the fetal murder. Hmm. That is not what happened at all. I wonder how that error occurred. Uh, It's such an error. (laughs) That's a huge error. Errors happen, Brandy. That's huge. That's not at all what happened. He went to trial. He was convicted. Yes, he he no longer at trial denied the killing. He admitted that he played part in it, that that he did it. Yeah. But that is not the same as changing your plea midway through the trial. No, I agree. Anyway, I didn't like it. <laughs> because then a lot of sources just repeat yeah. what they saw on this Snapped episode. Sure. Anyway, I'm pretty pissed at Snapped right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that? Not at all. <laughs> you were pretty subtle. <laughs> Add a little comment onto the story, right? Or... Email them or? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm going to be reaching out to the good people at Snap. You won't. I will. You'll just be fussy on this podcast. You might be right. Yeah. I'm definitely right. I'm going to write Snap a strongly worded email. <laughs> Maybe. You don't think I'm going to do it? Not at all. Like, there, you don't think there's a chance? I'm gonna, now I'm going to do it just because you said that. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. Uh, and that is the story of the big bad wolf and the murder of Deanna Herbert and her unborn child. That was very well told. I um, 
I really like stories like this where it's not just a murder. Yeah. You know, to hear what someone is going through and leading up to these events. I mean, that that is interesting to me because it makes you wonder about where there could have been some kind of intervention. Absolutely. And oh, I also okay. So the child's name was Deanna. Deanna, yes. I also really hope she wasn't literally called to testify at trial. I really hope that she was like in a separate room with a child I psychologist hope so who was as talking. Well. I mean, I know. I just worry about re-traumatizing. Absolutely. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. She did say on the Snapped episode that, like, she knows that her mom would not. I'm not listening to a thing about (laughs) Snap. This came directly from her mouth. Okay, all right, all right. We'll trust it. She knows that her mom would not want her to dwell on this. She would want her to move on with her life and have a happy life in her honor. And of course, of course. But this is some traumatic fucking shit. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how you move on from any of this shit. I don't know how you move on from losing your son, drowning nope. in the pool. I don't know how you move on from hiding behind a couch while no. your mom is brutally murdered. No. I don't know how you move on from coming home to find your wife brutally murdered and you're taken into custody, sitting naked in an interrogation room when you find out that she's dead. Technically, he was not naked. He did have a paper gown <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. When you're sitting in the gynecologist's office in the paper gown, you don't feel like you're sitting there naked? No. Are you for real right now? Yeah, I'm for real. If I'm wearing a gown, it's not the same as me being completely nude. I feel like it's exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) There's no difference to me at all. (laughs) No difference? Nope. Okay, so you, you could take it off? You feel like might as well just take it off? It's the same thing? Ooh, ooh, that's an interesting point. Well, of course, because it's not the same. It's pretty close. (laughs) Here's a question. With those Roby things, Uh I know technically you're supposed to let them open in the back. No, no, no. At the guy in the college's office, it has to open in the front because they got to get to your titties. Well, that's true. But in other settings. Yes, you put them in the back. Yeah. But I hate that. Yeah. You'd rather have the front open? Yeah, so that I can keep it closed. Oh, yeah, you don't have the control over the back. Yeah. I've told the story about my bare butt Mm -hmm. after my surgery. Yeah, I do recall. Mm -hmm. You know, when Casey had her open heart surgery, Mm -hmm. she was in the, I mean, hospital for like a week afterward. Sure. And she would have to do like these walks each day. And so she'd get to put one on the back backwards so that she had like a front robe and a back robe so that she, you know, fully covered. Yes. Why couldn't they have done that for me? Exactly. (laughs) Do me a solid. Right. right. Yes. Everyone, the story of me. (laughs) When I had my fun cyst surgery that turned Mm -hmm. into oopsies we're also taking a fallopian tube and yes you know digging around while we're in there seeing what else we like yeah so i was obviously knocked the fudge out for that you know god knows how many people were eating popcorn watching that surgery go down you know there were quite a few people in the room i think um (laughs) i I don't think they probably let popcorn in there (laughs) you think just junior (laughs) mints so Afterward, 
they want you to pee. Yeah. To make sure, I guess they didn't twist up your yeah urethra. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> really, probably your ureter is what they're more worried about. Because I think by the I don't I don't think they're getting close to your urethra. Well, probably probably not at all. But you know, I guess just in case. Yeah. And so yeah, after showing all my goods to anyone who was there, not feeling a damn thing, I had to walk down a hallway <laughs> with that little robe on and your, your cheeks out. Yeah, I asked the nurse to cover my butt because I didn't want people to see my butt, and she kind of giggled. Yeah, I think because she'd just seen. My whole vagina <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're fully nude in that in that surgery room. And That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. I did have a sexy little mushroom cap on. You yeah, know, the little hairnet. Yeah. <laughs> I um, assume. Did I tell you that I wore underwear to my thyroid surgery? You're supposed to be fully nude. Uh-huh. You lunatic. Yeah, well, hold I wore on. Underwear. <laughs> Hold on. Back up. Back up. Okay. So so they tell you, okay, please disrobe. Disrobe. Take everything off. Mm-hmm. And they and I said, can I please leave my underwear on? Mm-hmm. And they said, we don't recommend it because there is a chance that you could urinate during the surgery. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's, that's fine. fine. I love peeing <laughs> That's my totally fine. I, I, will get, I will get new underwear afterward if I need to. I, I said I would just be much more comfortable if I had my underwear on. Yeah. And they said, that's fine. I mean, my surgery was on my neck, so. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I wonder if anybody had asked that before. <laughs> I mean, surely you're not the first never nude yeah. to get thyroid surgery. Yeah. Um, did you wear makeup to your surgery? I did not. Okay. No, that was against the rules because they were, you know, in this general area, throat mm-hmm. area. I couldn't have any, no, lo- couldn't put lotions or anything on that day. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, I'm glad we've had this discussion. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should do an ad. I think we should. Doodaloo. <laughs> Why'd I do it by myself? Because I was busy looking at my screen. <laughs> but you did a great job. <laughs> what I think we should do right now? Uh, first of all, we should doodaloo. <gasps> doodaloo! <laughs> you know what I think we should do right now? Uh, take some questions from our Discord. Yes. <gasps> but. 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 But wait, there's more. Big butts. <gasps> you gotta call Norman here. He That's asked right. for the questions and there's a bunch of questions for him, I believe. All right. Oh, everyone, it's going to be chaos in here. The dogs are in here. The dogs are here. Norm is here. Norm asked the Discord for questions and compliments for himself. Yes. And now people are just asking him a bunch of questions. And giving you endless compliments. Patty Bleep That says, sexiest corpse there ever was. Wow. Wow. I I was not expecting compliments. (laughs) Even though you did ask (laughs) Ask for for them. them. Yeah, but as a joke, I think I actually get compliments. I was browsing through them, and uh, my favorite is definitely that a dog was named after me. Oh, that's awesome, and that dog is so cute. And Norman is a great name for a dog. It is. Terrible name for a man. (laughs) Wait a minute. Ooh, Carrie Chu wants to know, what's it like having DP and Sheree Ray as in-laws? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, tell us all about it, Norm. DP and Sheree Ray are fantastic in-laws. I bet they would be really yeah, good they in-laws. They are very lovey. They're very sweet. And um, Are they too much? No. 
No, no they're not. They're just no, the they're right wonderful. amount. No, it's <laughs> the right amount. It re- of it, you know, it really does feel like I have like another set of parents. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a good yeah. feeling. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt growing up with them too. They were like another set of parents. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those two. Everyone, Norm went on a date with my dad yesterday to Pepper Jack's for lunch. Pepper Jack's Grill. Um, <laughs> they right. both love getting cheesesteaks, and my mom and I don't really like going there, so they go on little dates and talk football for two hours. I think their meat is really dry. I also don't like Pepper Jack's. Um, do you put spicy ranch? Obviously, your... I do not, Norm. <laughs> You know, I don't do sauces. You don't? No, I don't like sauces. You like barbecue sauce? I do like barbecue sauce. You're right. Mm. She's a complicated woman. I'm poking holes in your (laughs) theory. Uh (laughs) Ooh, Brandy's butthole chiropractor wants to know, hi, Mr. Kristen Caruso. (laughs) Are they holding you hostage in the sex dungeon? I mean, we are right now, actually. basically. (laughs) Doors closed. The dogs are guarding the door. They are. I can't get out. Ooh, Forever Nude wants to know any upcoming guest appearances. Norm, a return of the DP, perhaps? Norm, you want to come on the show? Anytime. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. All right. Okay, maybe we'll have this boy on. Yeah. Ooh, Ding Dang Diddle wants to know, uh, what's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever done? What's yours, Norm? I know Chris and I have talked about ours before on the show. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite costume you've ever worn? Gosh. Did you get into Halloween as a kid? Um, <laughs> I don't really remember Halloween that well. Really? What? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I but how old? How old were you when you moved back to the United States? I was, or moved to the United States because you weren't born in the United States. No. So we moved to the U.S. when I was three. Okay. And then we moved away again, and yeah. we came back to the U.S. when I was eight. Okay. I stopped trick or treating. I feel like I, I just dress as like a vampire or something yeah. every year. Mm. And then, because we had fake vampire teeth. Yeah. My mom had like a bucket full of like costumes <laughs> and stuff. And we could just like pick one out. Do you think out. other people put those vampire teeth in well, my brother, My brother and sister A hundred percent. My brother and sister did. So but I remember, <laughs> I think I was like 10 and I went trick-or-treating. Maybe I was a little older. And I, a kid, a kid answered the door. And after that Halloween, I You're never like, went too trick or treating again. I was so embarrassed <laughs> that a little kid <laughs> answered the door. You also had siblings like who are four years older than you and two years older than you. So it's like you were probably under the influence of yeah, the older the cool. older sibs. Yeah, they would go to like parties, parties and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and little Normie you. would sit alone with his old vampire teeth that have been handed down to him. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I just, I can't, ugh, uh, they probably smelled weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely yeah, smelled them. dried saliva yeah, inside I, of them. I, I smelled them before I put them in my mouth. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Frozen Like a Grape has a, a question specifically for you, Norm. Why is Kristen your favorite person ever in the world? Give her all the compliments. Oh, shit. Oh. Wait a minute. Where did you hear that Kristen? (laughs) Wow. No, she is my favorite person in the world because she makes me laugh and she's very, very sweet and she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's got whoopee cushion tits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, When you touch her boobs, they make a fart noise. They're beautiful and they're fun. What more could a person want? I've said before that 
uh, Kristen is my best friend. Yeah. So it's, oh. it's pretty easy being married to your best friend, I got to tell you. Especially when your best friend is easy. Oh. Wow. Wow. Lake Taco Fur Trader says, compliment for Norm. You have the best wife and share your birthday with an amazing woman. You are very lucky. Wow. Wow. You're right. I'm the luckiest man in the world. Norm, tell the story of how you got all mad at at, uh, the bar a couple weeks ago. (gasps) Yeah. At the bar? You were mean mugging someone to defend our honor. Yes. Oh, well, we were out out to lunch before a recording. At a bar and grill. At a little... Not uh, Chili's, unfortunately. It's a little dive bar. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a small establishment. And we were eating lunch. Yeah, it's a literal hole in the wall. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. It's great, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they empty the fryer, they carry the old grease through the bar. That's how small this place is. It's wonderful. But uh, a few tables down, Brandy, Chris, and I were having lunch, and a few tables down, there's a dude just sitting there alone with a beer, and he was just, like, staring nonstop at Christian and Brandy. Mm -hmm. I saw it out of the side of my eye, and so I was like, all right, this guy is really weird. So I just started staring back at him. (laughs) Meanwhile, Kristen and I had no idea this was going on. All I knew was Norm seemed mad for some reason. Yes, I do remember thinking Norm was really quiet during that lunch. and it was because he was mean mugging (laughs) some dude. We had no idea. Yeah, and whenever he made eye contact with me, he quickly, you know, did the oh, oh, and went back Uh to Mm -hmm. his beer and watching Mm -hmm. whatever baseball game was on. But, yeah, it it was weird. I didn't like that. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for mean mugging in our honor. Norm. Yeah. How dare you look at these women? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We tried to convince the waitress today that we were, we're a thruple. A thruple. Yeah. yeah. She didn't buy it. <laughs> we also didn't say it. We yeah. didn't. We were yeah. just trying to give off thruple yeah. vibes, which is how Norm and I made out at lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> the waitress just it just wasn't convincing. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I don't buy it. Whip your top off. <laughs> And Brady That's was like, where I, draw I, the line. I will not. Mm-hmm. No way. <laughs> Ooh, Rage of Innocence says, Dear Norm, we love you. Also, since we've come upon holiday season, which holiday is your favorite? Hmm. My favorite holiday is probably Thanksgiving. Because it's a food holiday. Several reasons. One. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> you don't know this man. <laughs> One, food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, family and friends. Yeah. Three, you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of yeah, no decorations. Gifts. Yeah, no, no gifts. gifts no, there's not like, yeah, there's just yes. food prep. There's not other yeah. prep. Yeah. yeah, it's a real good vibe, and yeah. I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Yep. Also, the least surprising answer. Exactly. Ever. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that might be it for our normie questions. Yeah. Thank you for coming in here. Hey, thanks for having me. Mwah. Ooh, I just, we're making out live. Gross. Brandy, join us. No, thank you. All right, ladies. Thanks, Norm. Thank you for having me. Do you want to make ghost noises? Oh, God. God. What's what's happening? Is that an orgasming ghost? (laughs) I'm going to call. Ooh, Libsy 
says, Brandy, do you still bowl? I miss your bowling updates. <laughs> I actually haven't bowled in a really long time. Oh, yeah, you haven't. You I, used to bowl every yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, I retired from league like a year ago, maybe longer now, because it just got too hard with the schedule and London getting older. Because when she was little, we would literally take her pack and play, and she would just like play in it while we bowled. And, yeah. And, you know, she's a little big for that now. So, mm. yeah. I So you're saying your child ruined your no, bowling. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying there are many reasons that I decided I could no longer commit to a league, but... I do. I do still enjoy bowling. Yeah. 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 How about you? You bowled any time recently, Kristen? <laughs> I actually took over Brandy's place in the league. <laughs> and I'm actually a better bowler than she ever was, they say. So it's all worked out great for everybody. Can you imagine how hard you would lose your mind if I took your spot in the bowling mm-hmm. league mm-hmm. and I was better than you? That would be rough for me realistically, what would you do? I, I would be devastated. You'd come out of retirement. <laughs> I would! Yeah. Like, I gotta get better! <laughs> yeah. But there's just no way. I'm the best bowler in the biz. <gasps> okay, this is an excellent question that nobody cares about except for me. Okay. Spooky Glitter wants to know, do you prefer cheap hot dogs or all beef? I prefer the $1 pack made of animal spare parts, and my oh. husband thinks I'm crazy. I am the exact same way. Uh-huh. I like the cheap. My Specifically, my favorite are the Bar S hot dogs. They are the cheapest I've never even hot dogs you can buy at Bar the grocery S? store. Yes. I fucking love them. I don't like all beef hot dogs. So the Nathan's high quality don't hot dogs? Don't like them. Get those out of here. Get those out of here. Bring those Bars? Bring those ones that are made out of animal sawdust. Can you spell bar Bar S. B-A-R-S. So bars. No, bar S. I think it's supposed to be like the name of a ranch. Oh. Because <laughs> it's like with a brand. A ranch with just animal parts. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. What about you? You don't like hot dogs at all, do you? No, but I mean, yeah. if I'm... <laughs> If I'm forced, I'm going to go for the higher end stuff Mm -hmm. because I'm classy. Okay. All right. All right. Also great at bowling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. What? Captain Kristen's butthole says, not a question, but when I went to listen to today's episode, I didn't know my Bluetooth wasn't on, and my oh, no. phone very loudly oh, no. said, sniff my butthole oh, no. in an open plan office. <laughs> <laughs> and so you looked around and you said, my God, who said that? Who said that? that? Where'd that come from? Disgusting. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, should we do one more, you think? Yeah, you got a good one? Well, I've got one. I've kind of already covered it before, but let's hit it again. This is from Emily M.M. It says, question for Kristen. I'm 25 years old and just got diagnosed with ADHD this morning. Oh, it's hot and fresh. I'm feeling every emotion under the sun and was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about how you coped with receiving your diagnosis as an adult. No. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? And what has your experience with meds been? Okay, so I definitely relate to feeling every emotion under the sun. Yeah, there's like relief, but there's also anger and sadness. Yeah. Like, I think especially when I got on medication and I realized, oh, this is what other people get. It's not 
you know, the constant voice going, you're not good enough, you're not doing this, you should also be doing this, blah, 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 blah. and to know that, like, I could have gotten diagnosed much a lot. Younger. You know, I, yeah. just, I just wish that it had been caught, but yeah. it's often not caught with girls. Yeah. Is that an ADHD symptom? What? The the voices? Yeah. Yeah, the constant feeling like you're not doing enough, you're failing, you're... Brandy, I tried to tell you you have ADHD <laughs> when I got diagnosed, and you didn't want to hear it, so I didn't say anything. I can't even remember what I saw in the Discord today, but it was a meme, and it was like something, and I was like, that's a fucking ADHD symptom? Oh, this is what it was. Decision paralysis is mm-hmm. so funny. I'm like, do I want pizza for lunch or a burrito? And my brain is like, actually, I'd rather starve to death. Yeah. I do that all the fucking time. I'm sure you do. And I'm sure if you looked into this, you might find more stuff. Anyway, sorry. This is not about me. Please continue. No, I, I like make it about you because it's so much better now that I've been diagnosed. Yeah. Now, granted, it's really hard to get medication because of the shortage, shortage and stuff. Yeah. But medication has made such a huge difference mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, just being able to kind of focus on what matters mm-hmm. a bit more. And it's funny, like, I think people get really worried about medication, like, oh, it's going to change me. Well, no, it, it... You're telling me that people don't have that inner monologue telling them that they're not doing enough? Constantly. And that they, that's, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, for me, it was this constant... Yes, yes. Like, I... You're blowing my mind right now, Kristen! Brandy, I have told you this before! <laughs> but not this weirdly, thing. It's yes, this, I have! It's yes, I have! thing that is, like... Holy shit. <laughs> yes. It, w- it Like my whole life, it mm-hmm. was like this constant, you're not mm-hmm. doing the right thing. You should be doing this other yep. thing. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then you like sit there paralyzed, not doing anything. Yes. So for me, like we're heading into Obsessed Fest. Yeah. And there's stuff we've got to do to prep for yeah. it. Blah, blah, blah. And like, so, you know, even with medication. It's yeah, of course. So like there's the freak out. And there's the trying to do stuff. And yeah, I have two modes. I have working on stuff. Yeah. Or lying flat on my bed, mm-hmm. feeling dread. Yeah. Doing nothing, feeling yeah. total dread. Because I can't half-ass something. Right. Which, I mean, that I think that's the trick to life. Is like, no, you half-assing is better than no-assing. no-assing. Yeah. Now, why is that not on a bumper sticker? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really recommend like... Looking it up, especially if you're a woman, because like mm-hmm. the symptoms present so differently in girls, yeah, that it gets mad. Well, and also, they didn't even used to like test girls for it at right. all. Like they were like, this only happens to boys. Well, and and women are a lot better at masking, yes, because so much of so many ADHD symptoms partly are like just totally socially unacceptable yeah. for a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just don't do that yeah. stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, mm. if if any of this sounds like you, I recommend speaking to your physician. Oof, boy, <laughs> Brandy, I love, 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 love that we have one hundred percent. I know that we have had a conversation about mm-hmm. you. You'd be like, mm, you have, you have a lot of the symptoms. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. You display a lot of the. <laughs> That that is the first time I remember hearing that specific one, mm-hmm. and I had never heard the decision paralysis thing until I saw that meme today, and I was like, 
I do that so often. We're like, I don't, I yeah. can't decide on any of these things to eat, so I'm just not going to eat anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really bad for me this week. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like, weirdly bad. Like, I just, I have everything in my fridge memorized. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what's in there. Yeah. Because I have looked at it all yeah. so much and thought, this is all disgusting. Yes! <laughs> I don't want any of this! Even though I'm the one who bought, bought all of it. Everything yep. in there? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How you feeling, Brady? Mm, all right. Thinking about, about things? <laughs> This is replaying my entire life in my head right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Should we move on to some Supreme Court inductions? We shall. To get inducted on this podcast, all you have to do is sign up at the $7 level or higher, and you give us your name, a little pronunciation help, and you tell us the name of your first celebrity crush. Michael Johansson. Leah Lale in Heavyweights. Oh, Rachel Smith. Brandon Lee from The Crow. Jennifer Thomas. Jordan Knight. Claire Leonardi. Ooh, Claire says new last name, just married. Congratulations, Claire. And uh, River Phoenix stole her heart. <laughs> but Mr. Leonardi. Yeah. Or Mrs. Lee. We don't we know. We don't know. How dare we you assume, That's your voice. That's your voice. <laughs> Tilly Stultz. Zach Efron. Val. Eric Von Deaton. Stephanie. Bruce Willis. Heather Stafford. <laughs> Robbie Sinclair, a.k.a. the teenage son in Dinosaurs. Yeah, he wore that fucking letter jacket. And he had kind of like slicked back scales. <laughs> he was hot. He was hot. Undeniably you hot. deny it. <laughs> Katie Garino. JTT. Allie. Not a celebrity crush, but Matt Hart is my crush. Mostly just want you to say his name so he feels cool. Matt Hart is kind of a celebrity name. It is. What does Matt Hart do? I mean, seems like his face should have been on the cover of 16 magazine. Yes. Was it? 17 was the name of the magazine. No, no, but what was like the off? J14. What? J14 was like the teen beat. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Where yeah. Matt Hart, I'm sorry, you don't get your whole damn face, you know, blown <laughs> yeah. up on the cover. Yeah, it's no, like you, you and a bunch a of other yeah, heart you're in a corner. <laughs> yeah, so just you know, stay humble, Matt. Sit down. We know Benjamin. <laughs> I'm just making up names now. Yeah. Benjamin, that's, that's not out here anywhere. Bradley, Bradley, <laughs> Bradley. I'm so sorry. Matthew Broderick. Emily Slater Gardner. Michelangelo, the Ninja Turtle. I used to love the Ninja Turtles cartoon show. I uh, loved yeah. it. Yeah, I did too. Master Splinter. Those things. <laughs> I don't know what the things are called. They actually don't have a name, they just have a <laughs> Lisa Chirinos. Usher. <laughs> oh, you're allowed to do that, but I can't I say am. it's a Kendrick Lamar song. Yeah, we don't have time for <laughs> okay. outbursts, ma'am. You're unmedicated ADHD. <laughs> also undiagnosed. Undiagnosed, yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the Supreme Court. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. Very sorry. 
<laughs> Very sorry. Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and then head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Then be sure to join us next week when I'll be an expert on a whole new topic. <laughs> Podcast. Podcast adjourned. I almost said podcast. You know, a whole new podcast. You're going to be on a different podcast next week? Yeah, fuck this one. I'm moving on, (laughs) baby. And I'm going to present a case, so it doesn't matter what their format is. I'm just going to take over for an hour and a half. (laughs) Now you say it. Now for a note about our process. I am scrolling down to that part, ma'am. And now for a note about our process. I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from an episode of Snapped. (laughs) (laughs) Or Snapped. According to these notes. Everyone hears how she spelled Snapped. S-N-A-O-O-E-D. Snapped. You know what? Maybe that's why there was an error at the end of that episode. It's, watched, it wasn't snapped. I watched bootleg snowed instead of snapped. Anyway, an episode of snapped asterisk. Mm-hmm. A piece by wow. Mara Bovson for the New York Daily News, UPI, Oxygen.com, and The Court Record. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCOodcast.com. <laughs> are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff 